we place our hope and trust in His mercy as we present this song, Betapa Hatiku, from the Catholics at Home Virtual Choir. Betapa Hatiku Berterima kasih Tuhan Kau mengasihiku Kau memilikiku
Hey, hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Catholics at Home podcast. It's a Sunday, so I hope you're having a restful day, uh, either chilling after lunch or perhaps, you know, right now actually having lunch because it's a Sunday, right? It's late lunchtime. Whatever it may be, we want to thank you for being here with us. And um, we hope that you can like and share this podcast so that more people can be aware of the topic that we're about to speak about this afternoon. Now, line up today is a very interesting topic, but sadly, it's also one that may still be a taboo in some societies. So today we speak about the topic of domestic violence. But before we get right into that, let's bring on my co-host, Catholics at Home's resident priest, Father Clarence Davidas. Good afternoon, Mac. Good afternoon, Father. How are you? I'm good, Mac. I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Now, Father, today is going to be a rather heavy topic. Are you like super ready for this? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's a topic that, that, you know, in church, we probably don't speak enough of it, uh, at least locally, uh, but universally is much spoken about, uh, which we will uh, address it a bit later and see, you know, the, the church's position, the church's direction, uh, the church's teaching also, because this is an area where, you know, uh, like you said earlier, you know, because we are Asians, uh, sometimes these difficult topics we do not talk about, mm -hmm. uh, especially in families. And sometimes it is because shameful you know yeah. we, we, we you know we don't want others to know uh, so 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 rightfully we we, we call the show today silent screamers um, mm -hmm. there are people who are out there probably who are who are screaming but you know uh, they have no uh, yeah so it's like a age for for a lot of people who are struggling Definitely. Now, while we will be speaking to our special guest this afternoon, I will also be asking Father about the church's stand on domestic violence as well. So we do hope that you can stick throughout the show, stick with us throughout the show. And should you have any questions, please do drop it down in the comment section below. Okay. So without wasting any more time, let's head on straight to our guest. Now, most of us may be may have been guilty of complaining of being stuck at home, but the truth is we don't realize how blessed we are to be living in a safe home. Now, we all know that it is very important to have the lockdown to actually curb the pandemic, but it is also alarming to know that it's also currently the cause of the worrying increase of abuse cases in men, women, and children around the world, okay? And the, the statistics are very shocking. I'm not going to go in-depth to that, but let's, let's talk about this this afternoon with our special guest, our guest of honour, Let's welcome the Member of Parliament for Sagambot, YB Hannah Yeo, on the show to discuss the topic of domestic violence. Welcome to the show, YB. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Meg and Father Clarence. Thanks for having me. Hi, Thank good afternoon, YB. Thank you for YB. afternoon with us. No, no problem at all. <laughs> on a Sunday no, afternoon, I'm sure it's not very easy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people. <laughs> it's family yeah, time. But it's okay because uh, we prepared for this. Uh, just had to have a, a, a faster lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Why no, no Vibe, this afternoon, we're going to talk about a topic that's actually pretty close to your heart as well. Uh, you've always been an advocate against domestic violence. And looking at the alarming numbers that we see today, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when we talk about domestic violence? 
when when we talk about domestic violence uh it is not an easy subject because every family is different and you know the long term care and support that is needed for these survivors of domestic violence uh you need to involve a lot of different parties for example like the church coming in to give support and because of that uh It, you you need everybody to be working together so the first step really is to create awareness first uh, many people don't know the full extent of domestic violence uh, and as a result you know a talk show like today is very important so that we actually reach a greater audience That's great. Now, the year has been indeed very difficult for many of the victims of domestic abuse. And other than that, right? We this probably has been going on, but this past year having to be contained in the same household as the perpetrators, what do you think could be other reasons that would have contributed to the increase of domestic violence? I think domestic violence happens mainly because there is a lack of respect for the other person in that household and uh, it's very important that people need to know domestic violence does not just uh, involve husband and wife relationship it can be extended to anyone in the same household so it can be a child I- i'm talking about a grown up child hitting at a senior citizen uh, or physically you know violating them so it covers everybody in that household and we have that domestic violence act but not many people know actually what to do in this kind of uh, circumstances so mm. one of the one of the reasons i think uh, it happens a lot during the lockdown is because people are all confined in the same household number yeah. one and number two there's also all kinds of stress involved now i don't want to downplay these other contributing factors but it's very important that it really comes from a place of just having a lack of respect for the other person and you know physically violating them and and hitting them uh and and so what we want uh to do now is really to talk about uh where people can go to for support uh mm. you know obviously financial stress is a huge thing in this pandemic with people losing jobs uh having no food to eat uh and and also then you have you know other form of violence sexual violence for example uh, in the household and so during a lockdown it makes it almost difficult for people to get help um a lot of people were concerned with you know if i run out of the house i go to the police station and i call up for help will i be fined on the way there you know what if yeah. i don't have a, a letter uh, running out uh, during mco so i feel this is where um the government has not done enough to promote or to educate or to give people uh, an idea on what to do uh, so one of the things that we we have spoken about urging the government to use the MKN platform MKN use uh, SMS to communicate with a lot of people and mm. I know they have blasted it out once saying you know this is the hotline to call if you need to get help uh, but I think we need to constantly remind people so um, this is the government's helpline you have talent kase 15999 so you can pick up the phone and you can call them and if you find it challenging to communicate in bahasa melayu bahasa malaysia or or english you can request uh, for someone to communicate with you in tamil or even mandarin now during our time we have also extended uh, talent kase to whatsapp because a lot of people may find it difficult uh, go back mark go back to the first photo um 
Talentia. A lot of people may not find it easy to speak on the phone. Uh, so you can actually choose to WhatsApp also for Thailand Kase. Uh, so if you WhatsApp them or you call them, this goes directly to the Ministry of uh, Women, Family and Community Development. They will then uh, channel you uh, or, or, you know, to hear your complaint and then they will advise you on what to do. Uh, you can also call 999. Uh, and so that's for government. Now for NGO, um, we also have women aid organization. They do a great job in helping uh, survivors of domestic violence. And you can see the next poster. These are very important phone numbers to take down. Uh, it's called uh, Tina. You know, you know when when you just give a general line, uh, people feel very intimidated. But they, they just name this Tina. So it's as though you are talking to a person called Tina. And this is the WhatsApp number for Tina. This is run by Women Aid Organization. And uh, they will be able to better advise you on your circumstances on what to do. So these are the two general lines that you can contact if you need help. There is also a third one, and that's the OSCC. Um, for OSCC, uh, it's One Stop Crisis Center. Yes. One. So if you have any physical injury as a result of domestic violence, uh, OSCC is in government hospitals. It's like a one-stop center when you go there, you know, uh, and, and they will advise you, they will help you lodge police reports so that, you know, you, you get the appropriate help. So these are the three platforms that are available for you to get help. Uh, please do take down all these phone numbers. They are very, very important. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so why there we, are uh, many platforms. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just yeah looking at all these uh, numbers. Of course, I mean we, we speak of domestic violence. You mentioned about uh, physical violence, uh, sexual yeah. violence. Of course, uh, there is also emotional violence, uh, uh, abuse that takes place at home, uh, verbal abuse that takes place at home too. I was just kind of reading up a little bit about some of the reports that are that, that are out there. You know. Uh, the New York Times calls this uh, this kind of a domestic violence as a crisis within the lockdown. There is something else that that develops. Uh, there are some studies also done by uh, UNDP about the rise of violence. But here in Malaysia, uh, are there are there any studies that are that are done that you know of uh, with regard to is there's a significant rise uh, of uh, domestic violence, especially during the lockdown? I don't, I don't have the data with me, but a woman organization through their media report has said that they have received an increase of 14% in the number of calls. Uh, and with parliament not sitting, we actually cannot get any of this data uh, from the government agency or from the minister. Uh, but, you know, these this numbers, what, what we have is the lack of reporting one and also the lack of coordination. So when we were in Putrajaya, we have actually established a national committee on domestic violence, mainly putting all the stakeholders together in one room and looking at our data. So, you know, you have Talian Kase that is managed by Women Ministry. They would have their own data. So before the pandemic, Talian Kase, they were getting about 15,000 calls not just domestic violence, but on welfare and other issues, 15,000 yeah. calls a year. Now, during the pandemic, definitely it will increase, but maybe uh, it may uh, involve calls on welfare. How can I get welfare aid and all that? But you also then have 999. The police would have a different set of data. Then you have NGOs like Women in Organization, and you also have state governments, uh, different programs. So there is a need 
for us to set up this committee, which we have done so, we need to bring all of them regularly to the table and exchange data and to see, you know, what numbers do you have? Uh, what numbers does this government agency have? So that is a coordinated effort. Without data, it's very difficult to do um, or to prescribe the necessary intervention. So that's why we need this uh, national committee. And we, we have established that. But unfortunately, I think they have not met enough, not regular enough, especially during pandemic. I think they can do it more regularly. I would expect the minister to do maybe, you know, twice a month just to look at the numbers and to see how else the government can help the NGOs running these services. Because I recall reading a, a report sometime last year, uh, and I think that that was a little interview done with with the police, uh, and yeah. they, they seem to they seem to say that there's an increase of of parental abuse on children. Uh, so it, it would mean that you know it's all the reporting mechanisms, you know, in terms of how people report and how many people come forward from from your own from your own engagement on on this. Are there reasons why maybe people don't come forward? You know. Uh, and, when they should come forward to, to make a report? There is uh, one, the lack of awareness, number one, where to get help. And that's why the SMS from MKN will be very useful. Now, number two, domestic violence involves family members. And so some people are caught in a dilemma. You know, if I report, maybe they'll come and take my husband to jail. Or, you know, um, some people don't know what will what will come out of reporting. For example, if the husband is the breadwinner, um, you know, reporting that and if he's put behind bars, who's going to feed us, family? And and also if it involves children, uh, some people feel that the moment I report, then maybe it's the end of my marriage. Uh, and, you know, we, we all have this, uh, let's, let's just keep this under wrap. Don't talk about it uh, because it causes shame to the family. So this, this kind of, Asian culture, I feel, of not wanting to talk for fear of losing face is not healthy. And this is where I feel uh, it's very important for religious bodies to do more through the main service, the, the sermon, to encourage people to step forward. Now, I will say for families with uh, public figures or, you know, pastors or church leaders, it's even more difficult if there is domestic violence in these households for the survivors or the victims to come forward because they feel like, you know, how who will believe me if I say, you know, I am physically abused. And so because of that, we have to make sure that it becomes a norm in our teaching and in our conversation to, to, to not make it like a taboo subject so that people know generally that it, this is very rampant and it's no shame if you're going to get help. Now, I also feel, uh, Father Clarence, that there is a need for us to strengthen uh, education in teaching, um, strengthening the counselling arm of the church or any anybody is very, very crucial. Now, one-off counselling can be very useful, but in domestic violence where it involves family ties, uh, you're going to be needing long-term kind of counselling. And a lot of times, we ourselves are not equipped to give that kind of professional counselling. So definitely now when I when I see young people, they ask me what, what should they do in life, I always say, you know, um, forget about 
10 or 20 years ago where people say don't go and be a psychologist because there's no money uh don't don't go don't go and be a counselor you know these are pro bono jobs uh, i think those days are over uh, if you are looking at mental health you know it affects 30% of Malaysians and therefore there is a great need with great need there is a need for supply of professionals entering the scene to provide and so I always encourage churches strengthen your counseling arm of the church because this is where it's greatly needed to transform lives and to help reconcile families yep absolutely well said <laughs> Father, any more questions? No, but I think, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right with regard to, to having uh, trained psychologists, uh, trained counsellors, you know. And I, think that, and I think the trend is shifting. You know, there was a time when, when, when if you had to go and see a counsellor, that itself was a taboo. You know, yeah. people people looked at you. Oh, you must be something mentally wrong with you in order to go to go to a counsellor or a, or a psychologist, and and that still exists. Um, you know, uh, it, I mean, just sharing with you. I mean, as a priest, sometimes people come and talk to you. But if I suggest to them, can you go and see a counselor who's maybe trained in family therapy, which I am not? I will, you know, uh, admit that uh, immediately they they kind of shy away from that idea. They say, oh, you know, maybe not. Uh, you know. Uh, so there's this, there's this kind of taboo about seeing yeah. a, a counsellor and it very much exists uh, in our, I mean, like you said, in our Asian society, you know, uh, yeah. there's always this, whereas in the West, people see counsellors for the smallest things uh, in life. Yeah. Father Clarence, actually, I'll tell you, it starts in school. Uh, when we were all going to school, uh, those with disciplinary problem, they will send you to the counselling room. And so we look at the counselling room as a punishment room, when that room should be seen as a healing room, the room where you get help. Uh, and, and that's why I think we need to start with changing that in school first. And also, I think public figures, uh, pastors, church leaders, uh, I always make it a point when I and when it's my anniversary uh, date, I don't just shout about, you know, oh, how great our love is, you know, that we have lasted so many years. That's actually a platform to talk about the difficult things in a marriage. And so every time anniversary, I always try to make it a point in my Facebook. I say, if not for counselling, we would not have gotten this far. And so we have to normalise uh, counseling and, and start really promoting counseling. I also think there is a need to look at how we do premarital uh, courses before they get married and not just seeing it as a, a, a checkbox, you know, that we have to tick just so that, you know, that the priest would marry us. Uh, we really <laughs> have to, we really have to make it a lifestyle thing and, and help them become good parents, good spouse before they actually say, I do. Yeah. I wish young people really would listen to you. That's a struggle we have. You know, we, we tell our young people who are preparing for marriage, you know, you need to go through six weeks. Oh, wow, so long. How long? You know, why so long you have to go through? You know, that's a struggle that we have. Uh, you know, Mag has been through, I'm sure, a marriage preparation course. You know, yeah. so for them, it's like a, just a requirement of the church. You know, so and they, and they don't, sometimes they don't see it as, you know, it's a little aid that the church is offering uh, to help along the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a. I think changing changing mindset sometimes uh, helps. Uh, you know, when you look at different situations. 
I think uh, the, marriage the marriage courses as well as counselling has always been seen as like, oh, it is somewhat of a punishment. I want to get married, but I have to go through this hurdle kind of thing. And counselling, even from the time we were in school, you know, if you had a problem, they'll send you to counselling. And people hated that. It's like, why are you sending me to prison kind of thing? But yeah, over time, I think there have been more awareness put on the, the importance of counselling and getting help. So I hope that, you know, as we get further into the 21st century, that that mindset will change and accept it to be part of our lives in order to help each other. Yeah, so definitely, I think premarital course is a requirement uh, for you to get married. But after getting married, I think they need to go for marriage counselling. Uh, we all know how challenging it is to stay married if you are married and you are still married today you know you really deserve a trophy because it's a lifetime commitment and it's so easy to just walk away but many people choose to stay uh, together and work out their issues and so you know if you if you are trapped in a marriage where there's domestic violence involved can i really encourage you seek help talk to wao talk to government or talk to your your church leadership uh, and there's no shame in that uh, really i think we need to normalize counseling for for the homes yeah absolutely now, YB, you mentioned just now, right? Domestic violence is a violent behavior um, in a home. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, husband and wife or uh, parents and children. Or right now, the alarming thing is that um, older parents are also getting abused by their children. So that's something new, but has become rather rampant recently. So is there anything that's being put in place by the powers that be to help decrease all these cases? Now, we know that there are many platforms to, you know, to report the cases and to help the victims, but are there anything else? Okay. Um, number one, I think um, when we talk about domestic violence, please be mindful that a man can be a survivor or, Absolutely. you know, a man can be hit by their wives. And so... Yeah. Um, for men, I think it will be even harder for them to open up uh, and, and, and to speak about it. But they, they are really, they, they, are, they also form these numbers. And so what we have done uh, when we were still in the ministry, we put in place a directory where people can, uh, if they want to start early in wanting to get these things right, or, you know, they, they want to get help according to the different groups, faith, different faith groups. Uh, we asked the National Population and Family Development Board, LPPKN, under the Women Ministry. You can you can look up their website, LPPKN. They have a di directory, which uh, we have launched, where, you know, you can go to if you want counselling on uh, how to counsel your teenager, how to get help for uh, domestic violence, all these are captured in the di directory, number one. Now, number two, we have also um, introduced uh, through HRDF training parenting courses uh, in uh, uh, together with mm -hmm. HRDF because we really feel that when, when you involve violence uh, against children, parents, uh, they are not well equipped to parent and as a result, they, they just don't know what to do. So we, we also have that. Now, um, there are also those who are going through severe financial stress. You can talk to AKPK, uh, Credit Counseling and Debt Management Agency. They will help you out to see how they can uh, structure your uh, finances. So the government is doing uh, all this, but again, it's really an, a question of awareness. More people need to talk about this and we need to 
uh, also provide training, uh, especially for the enforcement officers. Uh, I give you an example. Usually, um, in some cases where people are discouraged from lodging a report, when they when they go to the police station, then some people will say, "Oh, ini adalah issue rumah tangga. Go back and talk it out. Or selesaikan di rumah." You know, uh, that that should not happen. Uh, and I feel that we need to do more training like this with the enforcement officers. That's why we have the D11 unit in Bukit Aman to make it, you know, woman-friendly, to make sure that uh, people feel that they, they are cared for when they come forward to lodge a, a report. Yeah. The other thing that we really need to do is to empower the caregivers or the people around that home. So we are looking at neighbours. You know, if you hear, if you're a neighbour and you constantly hear cries coming from that home, or, you know, for a few days now, you don't see the wife coming out. You know, it really doesn't hurt to knock on doors and say, hi, how are you doing? Are you okay? Uh, is there anything that we can do to help? Uh, if we look at the, the case of, you know, the child abuse in Malacca recently, where the yeah. boy was seen by the neighbor to look really down uh, at, the, at, the, at the compound of the house, if only, if yeah. only they had called police uh, or or if they have done more to ensure that the boy is rescued, that could have been prevented. Uh, so there is a need for us to be a busybody, a busybody kind of neighbor to to just say, hey, we are we we are here, we are listening, and we, we can hear you, uh, and make sure you don't repeat this again. We will call the cops. You know, uh, it's always better to be safe than to be sorry. Yeah, so, you know, if you have a relative, you know that they have a pattern of being abusive, you know, check on them and make sure that you, you report. Uh, so I feel that if you if you are in that kind of circumstances, there's no harm in reaching out to Talian Kase WhatsApp and also Tina, Women Aid Organization. Uh, have a check first, find out your options, explore your options so that you know uh, where to get help. The other thing that I think a lot of other people can do, bystanders, uh, is to give financially for some of these causes. So you may not know anybody personally, but you believe in helping them out. Give, donate to organizations like Women Aid Organization. Help strengthen uh, their operations so that they can have more shelters. You know, they have more resources to do greater to do greater work. The other thing that uh, I think places of worship can do, and I've uh, visited a, a mosque recently, and they, they they told me about their intention to even set up rooms uh, as a transit place for survivors of domestic violence. They just need a cooling period, you know, where they, they need to clear their mind, they need to explore options. That's a safe place for them to, to get shelter. And so that's where churches, mosques, you know, we, we, we can dedicate our resources to help. At the end of the day, Father Clarence, I feel that the most important institution in this country, or any countries for that matter, if you want to rebuild a nation, you want to first rebuild the institution called family. If the institution called family is under attack, you know, you can reform the courts, you can reform MACC, you can reform all kinds of agencies. It's not going to help society. And when the institution of family is under attack, everybody must put in effort to strengthen that. Uh, it, it, that's why it's all our, our responsibilities to, to do that. Yeah. I, I guess why <clears throat> be also, I mean, you, you rightly say that you know, the family, the family is, is that, that basic institution for society. You know, I mean, 
we don't fall from skies. I mean, uh, we all come from the context of a family. Uh, but sometimes the stresses of family today compared to maybe 30 years ago, it, they, are, they are so different. They are so different uh, in terms of, you know, what they have to go through. I mean, I look at my own parents. I mean, of course, my mother was a homemaker. Uh, when I came home, you know, everything was there. I mean, you, there's some level of stability that you know when you come back. But today with, you know, the stresses that young people have to go through in wanting to start a family are a lot different uh, uh, and very challenging also. Um, in, in such a situation, what would you think? I mean... What would you say to young people who, who are thinking, you know, uh, of starting a family? You know, they're so afraid. Uh, they're so afraid uh, even to do that. Uh, but yeah. how, do we, how do we help them uh, to understand that, you know, yeah, you have to work through these things. Like you said, you know, um, every anniversary is a trophy, isn't it, in some ways? Yeah, yes. I think for a start, uh, to understand domestic violence uh, is not to, to be judgmental. So we cannot judge... Uh, the survivors or, you know, we, 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 there, there should be no excuse given for any violent behavior. It is not right in any circumstances. Uh, you cannot say, oh, when I come home, housework is not done, therefore I hit my wife. That's wrong. Uh, or she has not prepared dinner early and, and uh, that's why I hit her. There, there should be no excuse for any pattern or any violent behavior. So not to be judgmental, that's important. Now, uh, number two, for young people considering marriage, I will say, please do not rush into that ceremony, that, that marriage ceremony is very important that you take the time to go through the premarital course. Now, if there are any issues before you get married, it is unlikely for that marriage uh, or it is un unlikely for that behavior to change the moment you say I do or after the wedding ceremony. Uh, those of us who are married, we know how long it takes to correct or, or, or to just see a different behavior. You know, there, sometimes it, it takes forever for, for that improvement to come. And that's why don't, don't rush into it. Now, um, you know, our, our Bible is actually the perfect place for... Um, to, to learn what is right and what is wrong. We always quote that scripture, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, but there is also that component in there that I really like, and that is love is not easily angered. And so if you are finding yourself constantly an annoyed by your partner or your, your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, then you need to examine yourself and ask, you know, am I in love or not? Because love clearly says that it's not, uh, love is patient, love is kind, and it's not easily angered. So if you, you are not any of this, you need to start working on it uh, and improve yourself first before you say, I do, and especially before the children come. And that's why uh, I really think that, you know, we need to make it more accessible, uh, all this help uh, platform, so that people know exactly where to get help. Uh, at the moment, uh, if you ask, any normal families, they don't really know where, where do I get counselling or who can I call. Uh, and even church leaders sometimes don't know where to go to. Uh, and so we definitely need to do more to strengthen these uh, help uh, resources and, and, and platforms. 
Yeah, the, the Bible verse that you use uh, from Corinthians about love, you know, sometimes when I when I, I have to officiate at weddings and, and they are quite, I've known them for a while, I always tell them this and if they choose that reading, I say, yeah, love is patient, love is kind. For the first year, after that, it gets a little bit more thinner as it, as the years go along, if you don't work at it uh, yeah. in, in many ways. Uh, and, and you rightly said, and some people enter into marriage thinking that they can change their partner. Uh, and not working through it before, uh, like you said, I mean, it doesn't happen, isn't it? I mean, and I've seen so many who go into it thinking that they can change the other person, uh, and and going in, yeah, it's very, it's a very difficult. Like just just coming back to your earlier point, uh, YB, there are people who are afraid to to report because they may take away the husband or take away the, the breadwinner of the family. Are there are there support structures where they could turn to? In the interim, uh, to get help, because uh, financial difficulties can be a cause of violence uh, in the home. Uh, where do people turn to? Are there are, are there organisations that would support them? I mean, apart from like churches, religious institutions, are there you know? If, if we're looking at transit homes uh, or shelters, there are shelters managed by NGOs and also shelters supported by the government. But uh, usually you will not find their locations online because, you know, these are very confidential um, yeah. uh, places uh, and uh, these homes are actually gazetted uh, and they, they do not divulge. So you won't be able to find it. That's why I think contacting this uh, helpline uh, is a very good start. And also, just if you feel that you cannot talk to an NGO or you don't know how to talk to, you know, um, uh, uh, this government helpline, start by talking it out with a friend. Don't don't keep this. You know, the topic is silent screamer. Don't scream it within yourself. Talk to somebody you trust, uh, and 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 get help so that at least somebody else knows about your your situation. Uh, that would be a very good start already by talking to somebody and that somebody then go and do the, the research and find out, you know, exactly where uh, and what's the next step that we can do. Now, the, the, what will happen when you uh, call uh, this uh, helpline, for example, Talian Kase, if you report a, a situation of domestic violence, there is a chart there. Um, you know, if you call the cops, then the, the cops will obviously come and uh, investigate. You can also uh, go to uh, OSCC in the hospital um, and uh, they, they will also assess your situation. Uh, at the end of the day, there, there are legislations involved where you can get emergency uh, protection order. So, for example, if you call Thailand Kase and they uh, will issue you an emergency protection order, 24 within 24 hours social welfare department will come and you know give you that protection order uh, or you know sometimes you go to court and then you can get you know seven days kind of order uh, but if you are unsure as to what applies in your situation that's where at the end of today's talk i think the most important thing is that you need to know these helplines talent kase uh, tina if you have these numbers stored this is a good starting place for this kind of conversation yeah Okay, so 
I'm just curious though, YB, I'm sure you've had many experiences, you know, helping out and reaching out. Um, just curious, when a person has actually been badly abused in a relationship, you know, how do they heal and find themselves again? Have you come across, uh, you know, victims who have helped themselves, you know, find themselves back again? I'm sure it's a yeah. long process. And yes, uh, there is, is a, it's a long process, but I think the message is you can be a survivor and you'll be okay. Uh, that's very important. There are other survivors who have uh, uh, gone through this. You are not alone. I think that's that's a very important message. Uh, this is not an ad hoc case that only happens to you. There are many people in similar situation and you'll be okay. Now, uh, this uh, counselling and, and restoration or rehabilitation is going to take time because it's not just physical, it's not just emotional. In some cases, it also, they need spiritual healing as, as well. Um, and uh, that's why I think, depending on your faith, uh, that's why we have this directory uh, on LPPKN's website. And also ask, ask around. Uh, and I hope that, you know, people who need help will find help. Um, you definitely you will go through that process of recovery, but you need to know don't don't blame yourself. Number one, and for those of us who are helping, don't be judgmental because it's not easy to walk in their shoes. Very true. So now, when all not not all of us are you know have that expertise in counseling a person, but if for instance our neighbor or best friend is going through that situation and they come and speak to us, what do we do? How do we approach the topic so as not to like make them feel even more fearful or guilty in you know actually trying to help us or help from you? If there's any physical injury involved, that means if the heating has taken place already, um, it is unlikely to change. The circumstances are not going to change just on its own. You need intervention. Right, and and if you are seeing signs on their bodies, it is time to call the cops. You really need to make sure that they get help. Uh, that's why OSCC, like in a government hospital, OSCC is very important because they have professional there who will be able to assess the situation for you. Uh, so if you are a caregiver, you are a friend, uh, you know go and find out in these places because you know the circumstances for that family. Uh, you can go and 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 get help. Ask us on on behalf of your friend and see what else can can be done. Now, why you said earlier just now? It's okay to be a busybody and check on your neighbor once in a while, but can being a busybody and checking on your neighbor cause further harm, though, to the ones that are being abused? Um, you if if you just keep quiet, it's, it's not going to help them. Yes, okay. yes. So, and, and you are not going to get into trouble. It's not against any law for you to lodge report. Anybody can lodge report. It's up to the police to do the investigation. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, as a start, I think fact-finding is very important. And that's why, you know, if you're hearing cries, constantly crying coming out from the home, or you hear screaming, shouting, you know, you, you, can, you can knock on the door and it, it helps uh, so that they know that, hey, there are people around us who... Who, who know and can hear us, yeah. Now, backtracking to what we said earlier, right? Being in the 21st century, we still hear of excuses like, you know, you cannot tell people that you're being abused at home because we need to save face. Uh, you know, it's it's our family name and we need to preserve that and all that. We still hear these excuses in the 21st century. How can we change the mentality of families um, and stop all this 
toxic uh, advice, but instead, you know, help the victims come up and help the victims, you know, pull through and pull out of this very abusive relationship? I think we can start uh, showcasing uh, stories of survivors who have gone through that so that more people can hear of this. And I, I do encourage survivors to, uh, you know, to do more interviews, to, to, to tell more of your story because success stories like that, survivor stories really encourage other uh, victims to, to step forward to get help. And they need to see that there is actually light at the end of the tunnel. Now, for, for the rest of us, I think it's very important that we start young. So those of us who are parents, uh, it is never too early to start on teaching our children how to respect others. Um, and, you know, whatever we display at home, that, that's something that your children will pick up and, and they will then uh, follow uh, when they grow up. So it's important that, you know, your, your own action at home uh, is being is, is an example to the next generation now um we have started a course at a time lppkn they started a, a course just to teach boys um it is uh it is a course to empower boys and to educate boys on how to respect girls and also when they grow up eventually they'll respect women how to uh, take a no as a no um, and so these courses are there. You can contact LPPKN to find out more. Now, it's very important that we teach our sons uh, and our daughters uh, how to respect others. Uh, really, at the end of the day, domestic violence comes from that value system where we, we devalue another person and we have a lack of respect for the other person resulting in this kind of behavior. So, you know, uh, also be mindful that domestic violence is not just about hitting, it's not just about physical violence. It can also be, you know, just verbal. Verbal abuse can also be very harmful. Um, and, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it really starts... Um, when the, the person is young and and that's why i say you know if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend who doesn't respect you even when you're dating it is unlikely to change don't proceed with marriage until you get that behavior fixed or until you, you know you resolve that and that's why don't be in a hurry get counseling get help yeah, well, I think I think you, you bring up a very important point uh, with regard to the family and the dynamics in the family. You know, in my, in my little experience of having uh, talked to people, and, you, and when you when you probe a little bit more, you begin to realize that you know that person growing up in his or her own family has also yeah. viewed uh, violence in the family, and they think that is the the way to cope with with challenges. That you know that you raise your hand uh, is the way, and they, they don't realize that you know it's it's not to break that that cycle of violence is very important with our young people, uh, with the children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, interestingly, you say you have a program in LPK, you know, uh, yeah. that to train uh, to train boys to respect girls. Uh, why isn't there one the other way around? I just I was just thinking. <laughs> To, to train girls to respect boys too. I mean, because I think I think this is the difficulty. I think the difficulty when we talk about domestic violence, a lot of people think uh, it's just women who are the victims. That that is the stereotyping that 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 people carry in their in their minds. And perhaps yeah. we need to also change that. You know, it's that you know, it's not just uh, men are the aggressors. Uh, I'm I'm not speaking here defending men, but I think the the dynamics here is that you know things are changing. Um, that domestic violence is something. Uh, you know that that affects everyone in, in some way. Uh, yeah. That 
and pay, perhaps when you use the word busybody, I think Malaysians are generally we are quite busybody lah. But you know, for, maybe for the for the wrong reasons, we are busybody sometimes. Uh, but you know, no, but, yeah, I I agree with you, Father Clarence. Uh, and the only reason why we began when embarking on that project first, because if you look at the data, uh, you know, girls generally at that age, uh, especially in school, girls are um, mainly the, the they they form the bulk of those uh, cases, and that's why they they look at this kind of intervention, a specific one for the boys. But really, moving forward as a nation, I think whatever we are discussing here need to be introduced in school at a very young age uh, where we actually teach people to 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 respect one another now domestic violence happen because sometimes this this uh, aggressor think that they can hit somebody into submission you are not going to get uh, um any submission you know out of hitting and and that's that's wrong whether it's your child or whether it's your spouse and, and that's why this this I think this culture of hitting, whatever race or religion, we have to speak speak up against it. Uh, and, and it's so important that we do not condone it by giving any kind of excuses. Yeah. Okay, so now we're looking at some of the questions that have come through our comment section. This is a very interesting one. Um, you know, Jenny Masang says, many will scream silently because of the children. The concern is also that the abuser may take it out on the children. Will these platforms include help for them as well? And I think a lot of, um, you know, victims stay in that particular marriage because you don't want to rock the boat for your children. Yes. Talan Kase. Uh, covers children as well, women aid organization also, and OSCC also. Yeah, uh, so that, that that's covered. Okay. Yeah, very, very important uh, to know that, you know, in, in some of these cases where a uh, protection order is issued, right, they will come and take those who are affected and impacted by it. They will put them in, in a safe place. Okay. okay. While while they look at investigation, but there is also a different approach that Women Aid Organization has launched before a campaign, where they say, look, you know, instead of us taking three victims out from the house, maybe it's time that the law is changed to then take the aggressor out of the house uh, instead of moving all the other uh, survivors. So this kind of conversation, they. It's ongoing and we do hope to be able to uh, bring lawmakers together and we can then change the SOPs um, and also the law to make sure that we put in, uh, we, 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 we move in the interest of the survivors first. You know, whatever that is best for them, you know, the, 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 the law must cover that, yeah. The priority would be for the survivor, yeah? Correct. All right. Okay. So we've got one here by Cecilia. She says, what advice do you give to husbands who are on the worst end of domestic violence and they are too embarrassed to consult with others? Because we all know, you know, being the men in the house, it can be a little bit more difficult to reach out for help. That's why the, the taboo and the stigma, we, we need to remove that. And that's why I for, for husbands like that, you know, you are also covered uh, by this helpline, please do call the helpline. There are other uh, husbands going through a similar situation. You are not alone and you are not weak if you get help. Uh, and for friends who are listening, if you have another man who come to you in this situation, it's important not to laugh. And when we say don't judge, uh, you know, you know, don't, 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 don't mock them. 
because it is yeah. hard enough for them to suffer in silence and then to take the first step in 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 telling you. Uh, so I I think it would be great if um the the uh religious bodies also address this uh through the sermons. It's very important that these messages are heard from the pulpit. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to combine a few questions that I saw earlier. Um, Waimi, do you think that inequality and poverty contributes greatly to domestic violence as well? Definitely, they are factors uh, in, in this. Uh, I mean, when I was in, uh, when I was the deputy minister, I was answering questions in parliament, um, and they asked, you know, what were the contributing factors in domestic violence? Uh, and we look at number one is the conflict at home. That means there's constant quarrel, uh, financial stress is another one. Now, drugs. Drugs play a very crucial uh, factor in the majority of these cases. If you see child abuse, a lot of the kids are who are harmed. Almost every news report that you read, when they arrest the, the culprit, they will say that this person is also tested positive for drugs, ice, uh, meth. And so it's it, this is a, a, a problem and that's why I think the government needs to deal with this drug problem uh, seriously because, you know, at the end of the day, people uh, who are abused, they, they they are hurt really, really badly in cases of uh, substance abuse when there's drugs involved. Yeah. Okay. So what would you, what would you say you know, could be, uh, no, let me rephrase that. How can we increase the awareness on the issue? How can we be the voice of the voiceless? How can you, are, you, you are doing a great job uh, for having even a, a podcast like this on a Sunday uh, talking about this topic because these topics are not easy topics. Uh, uh, probably at the end of this, you know, you will feel emotionally drained, uh, especially if you are the counsellor, if you are helping a family, you know, it doesn't, the calls will not stop just one day. It's a long process to help somebody through this step. And we need people who are willing to pay that price uh, as caregivers, as friends, to walk them through this. And also for church, if you are dedicating resources in your church for this thing, you know that it's not going to be cheap because, you know, you have to put up a shelter, you have to give towards these uh, places. But if we continue to raise awareness and we continue to talk about this and be open about this data, uh, and we also promote survivor stories, uh, I think there will be a, a great shift in the environment where people feel that, okay, this is happening too rampant uh, and there are ways we can get help. And these are also ways where we can actually uh, co contribute as, as a friend. Uh, if we have, we do all this at the same time, hopefully uh, there will be more um, encouragement for people to come forward to report. Brilliant. Now, I have so many other questions that are brewing in my mind, but we only have this much time with YB this afternoon. So before we let YB off, uh, Father Clarence, do you have any other questions that you might want to ask her? Yeah, uh, no, I, I mean, in the sense that, uh, what am I saying, yeah and no, <laughs> in the sense that, uh, it is, it is, you know, these are the, these are the difficult topics that sometimes we don't want to talk about, uh, you know, and in different uh, in platforms, uh, yeah, sometimes it is not easy. Uh, I mean, you say, you know, you speak from the pulpit. Uh, these are these are different topics uh, to talk about. Uh, it's so much easier to talk about about love, peace, happiness. Uh, you know, uh, but these are real issues that affect people, and sometimes people do not know where to go. 
Uh, and, and I think what you have highlighted today is also to be able to empower these science screamers uh, to come out and speak and that and, and not just you know and, and not just report uh, but I think a lot of people look for support also through that process. Uh, and you know, and I think that's very important. Whether whether it's church or whether it's a neighbor, uh, you know, uh, apart from just giving a call to someone, uh, how do you support them? You know, and I think you know through this, um, and and that's what people are afraid of. I mean, why be just before we let you go? I know you you have a very busy Sunday. You know, what, what would be your words to those who are silently suffering, uh, screaming out there, uh, if they are listening in uh, this this afternoon? Uh, your message that to them? Uh, my message to people who are suffering at home is not to do this alone anymore. Uh, start, start simple steps. Go to Facebook, look up for Women in Organization Facebook page. You know, go through the materials, read, uh, equip yourself with information, uh, and and that you do, you you don't have to carry on, uh, with this alone. There are many people out there who are going through a similar situation, and you can get help. Um, and I also encourage you to store these numbers, uh, and and find the courage to ask those difficult questions. Uh, you will you will be able to find answers. That's great. Now, I hope you've taken a little bit out from this whole conversation that we've had in past hour. And, you know, please reach out if you do need help. The numbers are still scrolling at the bottom. So please seek help. Don't scream silently. YB Hanayo, thank you so much for joining us this Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, it really helped enlighten the topic for a lot of us. And hopefully we've reached out to some of the silent screamers who are watching as well and gave them strength to come forward and see help. So we're going to wish you a great Sunday ahead and uh, we hope you stay safe and take care. Thanks Father Clarence and Mac for having me. Thank you. Thank you Thank YB. You. Bye. Wow, Father, that was a heavy topic indeed, right? I, I felt like I didn't have to talk at all because she did a fantastic job actually giving yeah. us advice and what to do and how to go about things. I mean, are you? how are you feeling right now? Yeah, she kept saying, you know, the church has got a lot to do. Uh, <laughs> looks like now uh, the ball is on our court. Yeah, but I think it is, you know, it is to provide avenues uh, where they could go to, you know. Um, here in the Archdiocese, we also have a, a, a kind of a, a counselling hotline that people could call in uh, to, to get help, to seek direction. But I, I think what we need is to empower people to make the first step. Uh, you know, and to 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 reach out to someone who needs help. I, I think sometimes, sometimes I I I feel that sometimes our religious understanding of the faith prevents people also from from wanting to get help. You know, yeah, uh, yeah because we all been brought up in this idea that you know marriage is permanent. Uh, yeah. You know, in good times and in bad times, you know, you have to stay together. You know, yeah. Uh, so sometimes that can play against us uh, in 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 situations like this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Father, I'm just curious uh, though. What is the church's stand on domestic violence? Zero tolerance. I think we have to be very clear. There's there's zero tolerance uh, in terms of the church. Yeah, I mean, the church has the Catholic Church has a beautiful theology of marriage, uh, but it is it's based on mutual love. 
uh, and and there's no place for violence in love. You cannot claim to love someone and yet be violent at the same time. Uh, so and I think this is something that we need to get into our minds. Uh, and sometimes, you know, staying in a situation where there's violence, whatever form of violence, whether it's whether it's physical, uh, it can be verbal, you know, uh, yeah. it can be emotional also, you know, uh, kind of a con control freak. Uh, you can have people who are, you know, uh, I mean, there's some level of control, of course, but you know, an excessive level of control. Feet. Now, I just, I, I just, just to help people and, and hope, and, and I don't want anybody accusing me of having to change the church's uh, teaching. I, I'm just going to quote something from 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 the Catholic, the Catholic Church. You know, um, you know, and, and it, it says about marriage. You know, and, and if people are listening out there, it says there are. It says uh, number one six four nine. There are some situations in which living together becomes practically impossible you know uh and in such situ and, and a variety of reasons okay i mean it's very vague here though but i'll give you another document uh in such cases the, the church permits the physical separation so if you are in a situation where your life is at stake you know because the protection of human life uh is of great importance to the church i think it's one of the, the primary uh principles of the church that life be protected whether as a as a as a as a child in the womb or whether as an elderly in a home for the aged uh, that the protection of human life is of great importance and and if something threatens that then sometimes distance separation may be the only solution uh, and I just look at what Pope Francis had said, you know, at the beginning of his pontificate, uh, when he talked about the joy of love. He says, you know, that the church cannot turn a blind eye towards situations where there's domestic violence. Yeah? And he says very clearly, there are situations where separation becomes inevitable. And he uses very strong word. He says, sometimes it is morally necessary that, that they have to go separate ways. You know, so I think I think that's something that you know we, we shouldn't be thinking about. Yes, marriage is permanent, uh, marriage is lifelong, uh, but there is there must be mutuality uh, between the two. Uh, and when you think that you know that you are being threatened, I know yeah. I mean uh, reasonably that your life is being threatened, uh, and, and it's not just physical because uh, marriage is about the well-being of the person, so it's total. You know. Uh, the well-being. So it's your it's your mental state, your 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 you know your emotional state, yep. your spiritual state, uh, and your physical state. You know, if it's a, if it's the, if there is a reasonable threat, uh, sometimes you may need to 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 walk out, um, mm. in order to be able to maintain that 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 protection. Um, so sometimes you know, yeah, you know, you have good people who say, "Oh no,", no. and somebody comes and says, "Oh no, maybe you should just go home and pray more, uh, maybe yeah. fast a bit more." Uh, uh, you know, you know, this is the vow that you took, you know, in good times and in bad, and then we just perpetuate the problem. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I think the church is very clear. I mean, the church is very clear. I, I, I've just quoted two documents. I mean, the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the and the Canon Law itself says very clearly that if you are under threat. Then perhaps you should, you know, the most reasonable thing to do is to protect your life, and and that action could be to move out for the sake of yeah, for the sake of yourself yeah. and the children, if they are children. 
Absolutely. So, Father, would you say that, you know, divorce, if they are considering it as a last resort, after having tried all sorts of things, whether it's counselling, whether, you know, you're reaching out to the person who is, you know, causing the harm as well, you've done everything, but you're just sticking it in because, hey, the religion says you should be married forever and sort and stuff like that. So they, they, they don't even want to think about divorce. Let's not even talk about the family that's going to be against it as well. So, you know, what, what do you have to say for that then? So I think that the church doesn't use the language of divorce. I mean, there's, there's another language that the church uses. Uh, in, this, in this context, it talks about separation, living separately, yeah. you know, that it's, it's, there's a greater good. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people think that that divorce is the greater evil, uh, but you know, uh, sometimes the violence is the greater evil uh, uh, rather than the divorce in itself. And the only solution, like you said, everything has been tried and everything possible. And you know, you know, sometimes we we talk about you know you have to forgive, you have to forgive, uh, but forgiveness uh, there also must be some level of some reasonable expectation of change on that side of the person because sometimes forgiveness can also perpetuate the problem uh you know you keep forgiving and you just empower that person uh, whether it's you know whether you are physically uh, abusing somebody it just empowers a person to do it all the time and then to use religion and say oh you have to forgive you know you have to forgive yeah. uh, you know and, and and that's not what the church teaches you know uh, I mean, even though Jesus says, you know, to Peter, how many times did I forgive my brother? Seven times, 70, seven times. But, you know, I, I'm not quantifying it. But when there is a threat to the individual, then that becomes a priority. Uh, you know, life becomes a priority. And sometimes it has to, you know, uh, go separate ways. There are other, there are, I mean, hopefully one of these days we'll have this conversation, you know, when you move out. And sometimes divorce is inevitable because, yeah. you know, in terms of, of, custody uh in terms of other legal issues uh you know when when the marriage is broken down that may be the recourse but that is a civil uh, recourse that people take but in the church there's also a process of of an annulment or, or nullity of the marriage uh, there are two different ideas uh, divorce is to say that the marriage has ended but uh, annulment or nullity to say that marriage never existed but perhaps this, that's a topic for another day to to look at but what I'm saying is that you know, don't if you are in a situation of of uh, of threat, you know, if there is domestic violence, repeated violence, and you feel that your life is in danger, the life of your children is in danger, do not think twice about you know about moving out to get help, you know, uh, to seek comfort in in a family member or a close friend or even the church, um, because the primary because even if 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 someone came to me and said that you know I'm repeatedly being being hit. Uh, the very first thing that I should be doing as as a priest is to find the place for that person to go to, where to be safe. You know, to find the safe space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, Father, I picked up this question from our comment section. Uh, Cecilia says, regarding domestic violence, is there a panel of priests or pastors setting up a center to give pastoral care for people involved in domestic violence cases, especially during this whole uh, crucial, stressful time? Yeah. So, as I said in the beginning, we have a, a, a hotline that people can call to, but it's, it's a general hotline. It's not just for domestic violence, uh, people who need counselling. We have our Archdiocesan uh, Mental Health Ministry that provides counselling, trained counsellors. Uh, usually, you know, what happens is people always come to the priest first. They feel a lot of... A lot. I think one of the things about going to a priest... 
Yeah, exactly. It's confidence and, and confidentiality also. Right. People think that the priest will not talk, you know. He has no wife to complain about somebody else. So, you know, in that sense, <laughs> he's not going to talk about it to someone else. So people come to us and my experience has been is if I listen for the first time and I think that I am not able to, uh, I would channel them to, to professional counsellors, you know. Um, but sometimes people are reluctant. They are, they are reluctant to go, you know. But I would really like to encourage. I mean, yes, as priests, we have... We go through a very basic course on counseling, you know, um, but sometimes you need very specific help. Uh, and there are trained people for family therapy or whether it is for, you know, uh, in an yeah. abusive situation. And, and you need to be able to, 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 to take courage and, and go and not to be afraid. And I think that is something that people need to, and like I think YB said, to remember that you're not alone, you know, that there are many other people who, who also suffers situations like this uh, to get some help no so you can get you can go to the archdiocesan uh, archkl.org uh, and to get the, the the contact details of our, our own counseling centers uh, and there are many others out there too uh, where they can get some assistance wonderful so yeah like YB said also do not be afraid you're not alone so come forward look for help as well now Father, this is a very interesting question. Okay, I'm going to ask you the last one from the comment section. Uh, Cecilia once again says, this question is directed to Father Clarence. Is it true that when the love for God grows cold or lukewarm, then the mutual love of a couple for each other will also grow cold or become resentful and hateful to each other? I don't think... Maybe this is something that maybe Mac that you need to answer because <laughs> you are you are married, so probably you know. No, but the the reality. I mean, let's okay. I always tell couples who are who are entering marriage. You know, God is very important in any marriage. You know, Absolutely. that's like the bind. That, that's like the binding factor. You know, yeah. uh, that holds the family together. Uh, uh, without that, I I don't think there's a direct correlation. Uh, but mm. you know. Um, Simple, simple sayings like a family that prays together stays together. You know, uh, it's not as simple as that. But sometimes yeah. your fear for God also sometimes helps you to learn how to respect one another, uh, to treat each other uh, as as equal partners uh, in 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 a marriage. Um, but I know, I mean, what I'm speaking is all theory. Of course, I'm sure some people will be saying, you know, uh, <laughs> but people should come to and and that's why sometimes when you know when couples have difficulties, I, I send them to other couples. Because, you know, the experience sometimes speak louder than the, the theoretical explanations that we have in the book, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. I feel like, you know, although your love for each other may become cold or lukewarm, as she says, um, God's love never really changes for us. That's what I feel based on my personal experience. So, you know, regardless of what happens in your marriage, you can always turn to him because, you know, he's always going to be there for you and he can... Um, help you through it. So whether you make the decision to seek help or whether you make the, the decision to stay silent, God's always going to be there for you and hopefully he'll give you the strength to come forward and seek help. So that that's my experience basically. Yeah. So I, you know, I guess it's been a very interesting show indeed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so someone someone asked, you know, how how many how many chances do you give an aggressor, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Is this related to to Peter's question to Jesus, you know, how many right. times, you know? I think if people don't get something, you know, it's very difficult to change anyone. Yeah. You know, they need help, you know. People who are who are aggressors, uh, they need help. 
and and they don't realize it. Sometimes yeah. they don't realize, you know, they don't realize it. Then victim needs to find help. Yeah. You know. You know. And I, I read recently. You know, forgiveness is 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 not just uh, letting people take advantage of you, but sometimes forgiveness is also you know moving on in life uh, and leaving behind uh, some of the hurts, whether it's physical, verbal, or emotional, uh, and that's part of forgiveness too. Yeah. Father, um, today happens to be our 50th episode of the Catholics at Home podcast. How oh, do you wow. feel? It's coming up to the first anniversary of Catholics at Home podcast, you know. I'm just diverting from our topic this afternoon. It's, it's been super exciting for the past one year. Well, uh, you know, when we first started, you know, there was Mark, uh, Kevin and myself, uh, you know, it was just a casual one afternoon conversation uh, at the beginning of MCO and said, you know, what shall we do? You know, and the three of us were kind of in agreement. Since people can't come to church, uh, let's bring the church to people's home. Uh, and of course, one of the things we stayed away is we, we didn't want to give a homily in, in our podcast. Uh, <laughs> maybe that, that was the MCO of people also. They, were, they, they needed a break from us. But to be able to talk these different topics... Uh, you know, I, I feel quite uh, empowered, uh, edified uh, that, you know, that after one year, we are we have kind of kept that slot on Saturday morning. Of course, sometimes we have had to change. Um, uh, it's been a great blessing. Yeah, I think it is a great technology has been a great blessing for us to be able to have these conversations. And we hope to continue uh, with people like you, Meg, and all the, other, all the others who have come along and helped us and supported us. We wouldn't have... We wouldn't be here if not for the support of a lot of people, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was the first three, you can call us the three musketeers or the three stooges or whichever you think we are. Uh, but we would not be here if not for the support, like people like you, our regular viewers uh, who have been coming and sharing um, these conversations with others. And we hope to continue and to be able to help uh, other people understand the church better, our faith better, our, our social engagement better. Uh, and that's our hope. Well, I hope this continues for many, many years to come as well, because I think we've covered quite a number of amazing topics. And I think uh, this year looks like it's going to be even more interesting with all the topics that you've lined up for us as well, Father. So yeah, exciting times ahead, isn't it? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, you know. Never right, thought so that when I, was, when I was trained for a priest, I'd be doing this. <laughs> well, you got to move your times, Father. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you even thought that you have to do mass online either. But hey, you know, no. here we are. <laughs> Never prepared for it. Yeah. So sometimes you just go with the flow. Absolutely, absolutely. So I guess um, we've wrapped up the topic for this afternoon. What's your What's your advice, Father, for everyone watching, as well as for those who are, you know, silently suffering? Yeah. So I think one of the things is, you know, do not be afraid to ask for help. I think there are many issues that have that have come up during the this lockdown. Not just domestic violence, uh, mental other other mental health issues uh, are also you know, uh, increasing uh, yeah. and, and you know, I think the first thing what I would like to say is, you know, if you feel that you cannot cope, get help, 
you know and it's and, and do not be afraid uh, don't be shy uh, there are lots of places where you could go to uh, they would maintain confidentiality uh, or even just reach out to a friend i mean i think this is something that we have been talking about you know uh, if you think somebody is suffering uh, call that person up and i think this is this is the kind of thing we have been saying to people you know uh, call people up and and talk to them uh, yeah. you know uh, that could be the first step you know very true so you know if you can't call and you can walk next door to your neighbor and find out how they are maybe on the pretense of you know can i have some salt do you have some salt i i ran out of salt that could just save a life you never know right so thank you so much for joining us on catholics at home don't forget to like uh don't forget to share and spread the word as well and if you have any suggestions on topics that you might want to see us uh approach and speak about on catholics at home please drop us a message as well so father we've come to the end of the show i think we shall end it with a little prayer let us pray yeah in the name of the father son and of the holy spirit amen Dear Lord, we thank you for this afternoon. We thank you for our guest. We thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation with our viewers. We want to pray especially for those who may be suffering silently because of domestic violence. Lord, may your spirit empower them to seek help, that they may find consolation, may find strength uh, in the support structures. But more importantly, Lord, if we know someone, move us, Lord, to reach out to them and to provide a shoulder, a listening ear to be able to help them through these difficult times. Lord, we place this situation and the many other challenges that the lockdown has brought to us. We pray that each one of us may be your instrument to help one another. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So there you go. We've come to the end of the show this afternoon. So if you've been, you know, holding on for your afternoon siesta or your Sunday siesta, you can go right now. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> once again for joining us. Joining us, I am Mag, and of course, that's the amazing Father Clarence. Uh, we will see you with another topic next weekend. So till then, have a great weekend, or rather, have a great week ahead. Stay safe and take care. Bye, everyone. <laughs>